and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast, the weekly podcast series brought to you by FT Advisor. Each week, we are joined by guests from the financial advice space to discuss some of the hot topics in the industry at the time. This week, we'll be talking about something that has been a buzz topic in the industry for some time now, the consumer duty. With less than 90 days to go until the start of the consumer duty, the Financial Conduct Authority recently urged firms to ensure fees are fair and transparent ahead of the July 31st deadline. In a speech this month by Sheldon Mills, Executive Director of Consumers and Competition at the FCA, he warned that firms who ignore the duty or who pose the most harm can expect swift action. In today's podcast, we'll be talking about what the impact of the duty has been so far and what it will mean going forward, as well as how firms can prepare for it ahead of the impending July 31st deadline. I'm Sonia Raj, Deputy News Editor at FT Advisor, and joining me today are Alexandra Roberts, Head of Regulatory Policy and Compliance at PIMPFA, Dr Matthew Connell, Director of Policy and Public Affairs at the Chartered Insurance Institute, and Andrew Green, Head of Compliance Help Desk at 360 Services. Hi all, thanks for joining me today. Hi. Hello, good morning. Morning. So to begin, perhaps it would be helpful to know how advisors are currently feeling and what some of their key concerns are at the moment in relation to the new duty. Perhaps, Andrew, given your role, you might want to take that one first. Okay, so um, we're dealing with lots of clients who are working their way through their implementation plan and they're looking at how they can achieve all of the uh, the four outcomes um, from their proposition. One of the key aspects that firms are looking at is when they're manufacturing their own service in terms of providing an ongoing service to their clients, what that looks like and then the fair value assessment that sits behind the ongoing service. So they're looking at segmenting their clients, they're looking at what fees are charged for the ongoing service, and then they're assessing how that meets the fair value assessment. So for most of the firms that we're supporting, supporting that's the main area of focus at the moment. Sure. And, and Alexandra, I mean, you work quite closely also with advisors. What have been some of the, the biggest challenges for them, in your opinion? Okay, so I run um, a consumer duty working group, which has been running since uh, July last year. And we've been meeting regularly and going through the four outcomes and um, considering uh, what steps firms need to, to take to properly implement consumer duty. So one of the big areas of challenge is the data, is actually having in place uh, sufficient data to evidence that you are complying with the four outcomes. Um, firms already do will have a data strategy already in place, but it's the question of uh, analysing that and seeing where the gaps are uh, to ensure that they do collect uh, enough granularity and volume of data in order to evidence that they're complying with the duty. So I think is that aspect is one area that they are working on and that is being a bit of a challenge. So the outcomes monitoring. The other challenge is the price and value, which mm-hmm. is um, obviously um, one of the diff- most difficult areas. And um, if you know if you have um, firms with um, lots of cl- uh, client banks and lots of different products and services, it, the difficulty is just collecting uh, the process involved and the volume because um, the FCA have indicated that they want far more qualitative data on on how 
clients behave as well, not just when they are purchasing the product or the service, but also through the life of the product. And so, you know, how they are using it, if they are using it, uh, if, they, if, the, if there is value in the use. And, and it's analysing all of this that, that is quite difficult. Yeah, that, that kind of sounds um, quite fitting to, to what some advisors have been saying um, when, when they're speaking to FT Advisor, for sure. Um, Matthew, did you kind of had any, have anything to add to that in terms of um, some of the challenges you're seeing or, or kind of even on the flip side, how they are tackling some of those challenges? Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, to go, go on from Alex's point, I think one really important element is, is this... Um, how value in advice um, is actually experienced by by clients because there's so many different aspects of value that that, that advisors give, um, not just in terms of recommending a product or, or rebalancing a portfolio, which is maybe where the FCA is coming at it because they're the regulator of you know regulated products, regulated activities, um, but also um, tax advice, um, advice on coaching on on what to do uh, if there's a market downturn, um, helping people you know understand their financial goals and how that marries up to their to their lifetime goals. Sort of non financial advice, even to manage electricity bills by um, mm-hmm. installing. Um, uh, installing solar panels so, so there's such a huge range of advice and I think a, a lot of the advisors we talk to say well mo- most of the advice they give is is outside of the FCA's um, sort of regulatory perimeter but but obviously it connects in with um, regulated products in terms of for example their income in in, in retirement so having a, a kind of structure and a template to to express all those different ways in which value is is delivered especially when some of the value, you know, kind of protection against scams or or, or co- coaching through a through a falling market. These are things that you don't know if it's going to happen. You know, this year, next year, you you know that your clients are going to come across something like that at at, at some point. Um, you know, during the course of their retirement, for example. Um, but you don't know exactly when it's going to happen. So, um, matching up those those expectations, the FCA of saying, you know, what value have people had this year and what have they paid this year versus um, the, the, the total sort of value that they get over the lifetime of a relationship with an advisor, I think, is a, is a real challenge. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's quite difficult, isn't it? Because value's not so much a tangible thing. I guess like the data element you can still provide, but the, the value is quite hard to, to prove. Um, so so that kind of makes sense. Um, and, and kind of staying on theme... Um, one of the FCA's biggest focuses has been on ensuring firms' fees are fair and transparent, and that was uh, something that Sheldon Mills um, talked about in the speech last week. He was kind of saying that particular groups of consumers are not disproportionately disadvantaged. So in terms of tackling that, how do you think firms can can be more prepared for this? Um, Andrew, is that, is that something you want to pick up? Yeah, so um, it starts with client segmentation in terms of understanding you know, your target market and segments within that. So you've got a number of different client segmentations and then you look at the service proposition that's appropriate for each of those different segments of um, a firm's client bank. Once you've established what your service proposition looks like and how that aligns with each of the different uh, segments, it's a case of doing the analysis um, to understand you know, is the cost um, appropriate? Is it commensurate to the work that's been undertaken? Is it being aligned to the amount of work that's being put into place to provide the service to those clients? 
and then understanding if there's any differential between the different service propositions and the different segments that you're providing that to. Now, this is going to be something that firms will need to look at initially in terms of what their service proposition is at the moment, and then consider how that evolves over time as they monitor, assess, review. Is it providing the right service to the right clients? And the only way they'll know that is by getting feedback from those different client segments. So we've heard already that value is a subjective aspect. Um, But as advisory firms, do they understand and do they know what it is that their clients value? And they'll only understand that by getting feedback from the clients. So this is something that will be a work in progress as they'll constantly be getting feedback from clients to understand what it is that the clients um, feel is value for money. And equally, what the clients don't actually appreciate in terms of value and then it's a case of acting on whatever feedback they get so it's it's going to be constantly evolving as as time goes on yeah definitely and it seems like um the the fca have kind of left it up to firms to almost assess in the best way in, in, to do this um so so i think yeah that's a great way for for advisors to sort of have something to to follow um matthew did you have anything kind of to add on that um on on some of those comments i saw you kind of nodding along so yeah absolutely and i, and I guess I, I, I it's i guess you know there is, there is a lot of negative sentiment over the consumer duty and i think it's a shame because when when the fca first came out um it was talking about you know exactly the kind of thing Andrew was talking about about um, uh, monitoring, assessing uh, that cycle of, of of kind of getting getting feedback from from clients, um, uh, un- analysing it, learning from it, and then building that back into the into the proposition. And that's a sort of cycle that the FCA had back from the days when it was talking about guidance on on vulnerability. And then I think in the, in in a, some of the consultation process, a lot of it got sucked into. Kind of the, the the nuts and bolts of the of the rules and mm-hmm. the, the four outcomes and the the three overarching rules and the um, the scope of, uh, of 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 the of, of the duty and that cycle kind of got lost a bit with 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 the consumer duty and now of course we've had a since since the last summer we've had um, quite a brief implementation period where it's been getting back on to, into sort of understanding and, and and implementing that cycle and I think for firms that have kept hold of that cycle all the way through um that that's that's been helpful and and um in a way it's it's frustrating a little bit that 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 got a little bit lost at at some points during the the conversation about the consumer duty yeah yeah i can imagine that's the case for a lot of firms out there um kind of having those frustrations Mm -hmm. for sure um in terms of i guess obviously they recently shared findings from their from the fca's review of fair value assessment frameworks and kind of said i guess the the good and the bad that they'd been noticing um alexandra do you kind of have any views on what they shared or you know what so i think it's very useful for firms to have a look at that uh review which you can find on on the fca's website um and uh, because it's as usual with these things the fca sets out you know this was what the good things that we found and uh, this was where there was room for improvement um, and if you read that and look at the good and, and, and the room for improvement and then adapt that to your uh, fair value assessments you can uh, improve upon what you've got and um, meet the FCA's expectations if you look at what they're looking at and what their focus is so going through the um, review so first of all you have to say that it was 14 firms so it's quite a small number and also that it was large 
large firms because I think it was their um, directly supervised mm-hmm. firms. So it's not completely representative. But um, there's, there's quite a lot of interesting things that come out of it. And um, some the main one being about what um, Andrew was talking earlier about the segmentation. And um, I think one of the points that was made that was also picked up by Sheldon in his speech um, was that firms were not sufficiently segmenting or looking at, with sufficient granularity at the different cohorts and groups of clients to analyse uh, what the the outcome was for them and whether the, the value was was what the value was for them uh, but we're doing broad averages instead so that's one pointer to to look at um, the other things that were mentioned were about data and that some firms were not um, uh, using getting sufficient data in mm-hmm. order to analyze and assess um, or that if they were getting the sufficient data they weren't uh, they didn't have in place systems to reme- remediate where there were problems so you know consider your data make sure you have all you're covering all the gaps have in place the governance to remediate um, those were messages that came across um, and the other one which was interesting was also the need for more contextual um, uh, an analysis as well because the good practice was where they were looking at client choices and at um, sludge practices and, and behavioral biases and and they're saying you know more, some firms could have done more in in that area so these are all, are all good pointers to to consider when you are doing your own uh, assessments and assessment frameworks so yeah. definitely have a look at it yeah i mean it acts as a great guideline i guess just to just to know what not to do if mm. not to do or what to do because they're pointing that out and i think um you know at least it gives people the idea of what the fca is looking for you know in a bit more of a specific way um if i kind of move a bit more broadly onto the duty in general um one of the the areas that i find keeps cropping up is client communications so um you know what the impact will be if any on the on client communications as a result of the consumer duty uh, matthew do you want to kind of take that one first yeah, and I think, again, you know, a, a lot of the stuff on the consumer duty has been, uh, as Alexandra said, looking at a relatively small number of quite large firms first and then looking at the smaller firms later. And so there is a bit of an issue there around kind of, you know, kind of what's expected of, of, of smaller firms. But I think the FCA on on the consumer consum- uh, communications have been, have been quite clear uh, and, and, and given quite a useful sort of rule of thumb on, on, on communication. So they said, you know... It, they know about um, behavioural biases. They 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 know that none of us um, are, are kind of completely rational consumers who uh, digest every every piece of information that that we're given. So the FCA doesn't expect um, a, a magically a hundred percent financially capable population uh, as, as soon as they walk through the the the, the doors of uh, of an IFA firm. <laughs> um, but but what they have said is in consumer communication, it's about it's about balance. Uh, and if if a firm is um, spending more energy or, or, or significantly more energy um, promoting the benefits of a, a, a of a service um, or advertising a service, uh, then they are in explaining exactly how everything works and, and what people can expect. Um, then then um, that that's that's 
that's a, a red flag for the, for the FCA if, if the communication is focused all on um, you know kind of uh, promise of high returns and, mm-hmm. and, and nothing on uh, risks for example then 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 that's an issue and I think for most advisors um, again you know the conversations that they have are far more significant than necessarily anything that goes down on a piece of paper so again you know a lot of our advisors will be um, coaching their, their clients all the time and so uh, if you can capture the processes that you have or the, the approach that you have to, to coaching your clients through all the risks and all the um, nasty surprises that they might have in future and, and, and good advisors are doing that all the time because they, they know those things are going to happen at some stage, then then that's a really powerful uh, element to put in for, for, for evidence around, around good communication. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the things that I find advisors are quite um, often split on is you know, some will say, I already do this. I already try and break down, make things jargon free and, and make sure that the consumer can understand. Um, while others sort of say, well, actually, it's not my job to do that. And it's the providers who are uh, who should be making their communications clearer rather than, you know, really long documents that clearly any consumer is not reading. Um, so, Andrew, maybe if you kind of had any views on that, I mean, what do you think? Who does it sort of whose responsibility is it ultimately um, and, and how will the consumer duty in general ha- impact client communications? Sure. Well, the onus is on the, the industry as a whole and every part of the chain has got their part to play within this. So absolutely the manufacturers need to ensure that the material that they're producing is easy to understand. Equally, the advisors are there to ensure that their clients understand it because if the clients don't understand it when the advisor is explaining then you know we've got a, a mismatch there in terms of meeting uh, the outcomes in terms of consumer understanding and consumer support um, but if we take just a, a step back just for a moment if advisors are using products from manufacturers where the manufacturers aren't providing material that's easy for clients to understand um, potentially that advisor needs to question why he's using that manufacturer for that product because ultimately um, the client is the person that the advisor needs to be thinking of and has the client got all of the information that they want and need in a way that they understand before they're making a decision whether or not to proceed with the recommendation. So at that point, the advisor is there as the as the consumer's representative to make sure that the consumer is getting the best possible um, outcome there on it. So what I'm trying to say is if the manufacturers aren't providing the um, information in a clear manner that's easily understandable and the advisor isn't communicating it in a clear manner that's understandable, should it actually be a recommendation that's being made to, to the client? And the answer there is probably not because it's not going to be meeting the consumer understanding um, outcome. Now, there's many different ways and means of of tackling this. So, manufacturers will be getting feedback from the distributors to ensure that they're complying with the requirements. Um, And then the onus is equally on the advisors to make sure that when they're doing their explanation, they're meeting the client's needs in terms of ensuring that those explanations or the recommendations are are fully understood, Um, the, the positives, the negatives, all the different aspects that are relevant to the recommendation. 
Sure, I saw you kind of nodding mm. along, Alexandra. Did you want to add anything? Uh, well, I, I just complete, completely agree with what Andrew was saying there, that it is across the, the, the distribution chain. It does, it's not a responsibility of one particular mm-hmm. part of the chain. The whole chain has to ensure customer understanding. And so uh, there's the onus on the manufacturer and on the advisor to, to ensure that. And um, yes, I, I think Andrew covered it pretty much. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and, and I guess finally, just... So obviously with RDR was, you know, 10 years ago, it was a a regulatory change that many say that transformed the industry um, as a whole. I mean, if I kind of go to each of you, do you think, Alexandra, um, the consumer duty is essentially RDR point two and and will kind of have the same impact? Well, I I think it will have a big impact. Uh, And I think, you know, like with RDR, there are lots of groups that were unhappy with it. Uh, But then I think overall, the general view now is that it was an improvement and added professionalism and that the industry is in a better place as a result of that. And I think that's probably likely to be the case with consumer duty. So I think, you know, it's hard work and uh, to implement and uh, uh, lots of firms are, are you know for struggling with it but I think that ultimately it will you know higher standards and, and things will overall be better for consumers so I, I tend to be positive about it. Sure and, and Matthew what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think the consumer duty is one of a of a of a, a kind of several waves of, of of regulatory attention on aspects of the RDR that that the FCA feels is is unfinished business. I don't think there's any doubt at all, uh, as Alexandra said, that, that it's massive improvement uh, in in professionalism even before RDR came in. I think uh, a huge a huge cohort of advisors just decided to take it upon themselves to um, become more technically proficient, develop their, their, their soft skills, develop their client focus. And there was a, a huge increase in professionalism even before um, RDR uh, sort of came in officially, um, advisors taking that upon themselves. Um, I think there's a for the FCA, there's some unfinished business around, you know, for example, ongoing fees. RDR allowed people to collect ongoing fees as a, as a percentage, and 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 it's inevitable that the FCA is going to going to want to keep an eye on that and 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 make sure that people really understand how much they're paying and, and what they're getting in 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 return. So so in a way, I think it's it's man, other issues around kind of you know kind of the advice and non-advice boundary and and how that's explained to people and how that's incorporated into 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 business models. So I think there's, yeah, just RDR was a big success uh, in terms of um, massive improvement in, in, in professionalism, which I think all advisors can feel very proud about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but some unfinished business with the, with the consumer duty that the FCA is looking at. And, and I guess the, the, maybe the, the complaint is that, that it's, it's happening in a slightly clunky way mm. with a lot of process. And, and maybe if the focus was more on, on the kind of a higher level on the, on the business model itself, then, then, then maybe that would be a better conversation. Sure, yeah, there's some, some definitely some food for thought there. Um, and, and Andrew, did you want to add something um, onto that in, in terms of whether you think consumer duty will essentially be RDR point two? Well, RDR was a, a big step forward um, and you know, equally consumer duty is, is building on that. It's another big step forward. It's a, a massive positive change for the industry. Um, the focus on the client outcomes as being you know, first and foremost for everything is definitely going to raise the professionalism within the industry. Um, we're going to get clients who are getting better service, better value for money um, and it's just a positive step in, in, in the right direction. 
Definitely. And I think uh, it will be sort of interesting to see we can revisit this conversation maybe July 31st or, or perhaps August to see how firms have, have kind of gone along. Um, but this conversation has been thoroughly interesting and I'm sure it won't be the last on consumer duty. But unfortunately, we have run out of time now. So I just wanted to thank you all for your time and coming on to discuss um, this topic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Tune in next week uh, for the FT Advisor podcast, uh, for, which is for financial advisors brought to you by FT Advisor. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.